the level of anxiety and depression I had were sort of the crippling kind, not the annoying kind. But I was just running the wrong programming. With that gone, I can actually interact me with other humans, and that, that's a really big deal. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Before we start in, With this podcast of healing, I want to plug another project I've been working on, a website of healing, disease-reversals.com. Disease-reversals.com is an online, grassroots catalog of healing. It catalogs disease reversal stories posted online, across the web, across the world. It categorizes them by disease and by diet used. There are already hundreds of disease reversals catalog at disease-reversals.com. This website is for anyone asking, can my condition, say, type 2 diabetes, be improved with diet? Check out disease-reversals.com and see what has been happening in the real world. Oh, heal yeah. Disease-reversals.com. My guest today healed from anxiety and depression in a very intriguing way. He used a method that I am eager to learn more about. And to his credit, after healing himself, he now helps others overcome social anxiety, achieve habit change, clear emotional backlogs, and more. Welcome to the You Cured What podcast, Jason Andrews. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a good Sunday afternoon and I'm I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Your I came across your uh story just really briefly on online on social media and uh you've got a background with anxiety and depression. Could you um just give give the listener a little bit of background into that? Yeah. So my story is long and a little bit complex, so I'll try to you know, hit the main points. Uh, my entire life, um, I always had a sense of not being safe, right? This is one of my earliest things that I, I ever remembered. I, I never remembered ever being safe, and that just started everything, okay? Now I had a really happy childhood. I mean, I had great parents. I had, I, I, you know, didn't have any shocks or traumas or anything like that, but uh, my mother suffered from really bad anxiety and depression and her father did as well. And by the time I was a teenager, things started to get really, really hard for me. There, um, I had, we didn't really know what this was called so much, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but uh, it it was clearly 
social anxiety and the beginnings of, of depression. Now, during this time, you know, I, I, teenage years are never exactly fun for a lot of people. So in general, um, people thought you, you grow out of it, right? This isn't a big deal. You know, this is just a standard stage people go through, but it, but it didn't get better. And then when I was 15 or so, I got involved with a uh, religious group. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call them by name or anything like that. But this group was extraordinarily skilled in persuasion and hypnosis and getting people to change their minds. And uh, they did a lot of things to not just me, but a whole bunch of people in my high school. I mean, probably two, 300 kids. And this, this, it really did help a lot of people. But for me, it sat, it just didn't sit well at all. And it made the anxiety and the depression way worse. So after uh, a couple of panic attacks, which again, back then where people didn't know what they were, they, there wasn't a name for it even. Interesting. So this was, this was 20, 25 years ago. I remember I went to a psychiatrist and he gave me this little book about it. And they called it something like um, anxiety episodes. And look, this is this, like they had just identified this phenomenon, but which is kind of funny because I'm sure, you know, anxiety is as old as humankind. I'm pretty sure, you know, <laughs> apes in the, you know, in the Savannah experienced, you know, anxiety, but so, um, so anyway, uh, he's like, well, you need these drugs. And I said, I'm 16. I don't know. Do it. Will this help? He was like, yeah. So I started taking these drugs and it was one of the older antidepressants and it lowered, I swear it lowered my IQ by at least 10 points. I mean, oh. I mean, it, it, it solved the, it solved the problem and it, I was, you know, stable, but I felt a lot dumber and, the highs weren't high and the lows weren't low. And I think most people who have ever experienced depression will, will, and have had any kind of um, medication will, will recognize that statement. Right. So I was like, okay, um, this, this isn't working for me so well. And then when I was in college, I tried the, the new thing, Prozac, this is brand new at the time or the SSRIs and, you know, this whole category Zoloft and, you know, Paxil, all those. And that worked great, except it basically turned me into a eunuch. So I was kind of a happy eunuch <laughs> at age 20, right? That's, that's not so great. No, not ideal. Yeah. So things are, you know, going and I'm, I, I said, this is no good. So then I tried, I, I went, I went through all of them, every drug out there for, you know, I never did any of the illegal stuff because I, I thought when I read about it and how serotonin works and how a lot of the, you know, um, non-legal drugs were messed with your serotonin. I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mix that stuff. But I, I tried every legal thing at the time. I tried all these different anxiety, uh, anti-anxiety medications. I tried, you know, I was, I was doing, um, went to GNC and bought out all, you know, 
everything in there, the Sammy and the um, uh, St. John's wort and uh, yeah, everything. I did all, all of it. Yeah. And it never, it never fixed it. And then a friend of mine, um, because I had also in college, I had picked up a funny book called Awaken the Giant, Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Okay. Right. And I started to read it and I didn't know exactly what he was doing at the time. Now I know that he was using neurolinguistic programming, which is a codification of hypnosis techniques. But I didn't know that at the time, I just knew at the time that he was getting in my head in a way that was stronger than the, you know, obsessive thoughts and the fear and the, and the, the bad things in my head. Like he was at least as strong as those things. And I was like, this is great stuff. Uh, and that, that helped to, to some degree, but it, but it didn't solve the problem. And um, then uh, a friend of mine, uh, introduced me to a guy named Ross Jeffries. All right. Are you familiar with Ross Jeffries? You've heard of this name? I, no, I'm not familiar with him. He, he was the first red pill guy. He was, he learned hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming and used it to create the first uh, pickup artist, you know, seduction red pill stuff. And this okay. was, this was in the mid nineties. And I realized that what he, that guy was doing, you know, was also as strong as the bad stuff in my head. And then that's when I put it together. I was like, what are they doing? I figured it out. I got introduced to neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis. And I think everybody knows what hypnosis kind of is, right? You, you go into an altered state where your subconscious mind is more prominent and your conscious mind sort of doesn't focus on problems. Your conscious mind says, let's just, you know, move aside and let the subconscious mind go through. Neurolinguistic programming is a, is a codification of all those techniques into protocols. Okay. And this is what Tony Robbins was using. He was using these protocols, run, th run people through certain recipes to change the way their brains were running. Okay. So I figured this out that that's what they're doing. And I started to learn about that thinking I'm going to, I'm going to fix myself. And it worked kind of, I made some progress. And then when I was 25, I met my mentor and he basically singled me out. He said, I know what you're trying to do, but you're doing it all wrong. That's what, that's what he told me. This is on a internet message board. He's like, I, I see what you're doing. And I know what you're trying to do and you're not doing it right. Okay. And, but I was 25 and I knew everything because <laughs> I had read a couple books. And so I, you know, kind of told him off <laughs> like internet flame war, you know, but he said, he said, he just said the same message again. He said, no, I know what you're doing and you're doing it wrong. And I said, okay, can you help me? He said, yes, yes. Okay. So we get on the phone and over an hour, he just starts talking to me and telling me stories. He started talking about something and he just starts telling me these stories about things in his life and things in my life that I had mentioned. And, and I, I remember just feeling very peaceful 
And then he told me a story about, um, he said, do you ever, uh, do you ever eat bacon? And I said, yeah, I like bacon. He says, you know where bacon comes from? I said, pigs. He says, okay. He starts telling me a story about pigs and how there was this one horribly fat, ugly sow and the butcher put it on the butcher block and butchered it. And that was the end of my anxiety. Interesting. Yeah, totally. And then I felt it too. My whole body just sort of tingled for about two minutes. And then I said, I don't know what you did, but I know you did something. And he laughed and he said, send me an email in a couple of days and let me know what happened. And that was it. My anxiety was gone forever. And he had somehow used words and language to get my brain to think of my anxiety problem as this nasty pig that got slaughtered. And that slaughtered the anxiety for me. Now that's, it's a messy and ugly metaphor. And I don't know that I would use that one for someone else, but it worked perfectly for me and bam, you know, I stopped taking the drugs for anti-anxiety and never had a panic episode since then. And it's been 20 years since then. Wow. So um, it, it sounds like he wouldn't, all right, he made you associate effectively your, your anxiety with this, you know, this fat, ugly pig mm-hmm. and then killed that pig in the story and it killed your anxiety. Yes. This is one of the neatest things about hypnosis. At, at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm in on this. I want to, <laughs> this is what I want to do. So, and the, the general idea is if you, um, because humans think in metaphors. So if you change their metaphors, you change their mind. Okay. Now, if you think about this, movies do this all the time. Okay. If you know what you're looking for, Hollywood is full of this stuff. Uh, I don't want to get into Star Wars too much because people have too strong of opinions on it. But the Star Wars, the most recent three Star Wars are full of hypnosis. Anything by Christopher Nolan, Inception, loaded with it. Well, it, isn't it true? I, I feel like I've heard before that most television shows like aim to put you at least at some level of a state of hypnosis to keep you um, ingrained in the story. Yes, but it's not quite the same. Okay. There's not all that many hypnotists <laughs> in, in screenwriting. I mean, there's actually, there are a few now. There, there really are like truly trained people now, but back then they were just doing what worked and they sort of figured out, you know, Oh, Hey, well, if we leave a cliffhanger, people want to find out what is happening next. And that is actually a hypnotic technique. You leave an open-ended question and you answer it a moment later and that creates attention. And, and so you know, the, you're, you're right. They, they're very uh, analogous. The, a lot of the same techniques will work for both. Okay. 
And so um, in your case, you felt it acutely. You said you felt tingling all over and, you know, you can tell it was, it was just gone. Yeah. My body were, my muscles were twitching. Wow. As, as, as my, my body released all of the, you know, um, stored kinesthetically stored memories. And I've since found out that there are people and I don't, I'm not advocating any of this, but I have heard stories of people who have taken certain things like um, what's the one you go to the shaman Is it like psilocybin. It might be that or one. ayahuasca ayahuasca. That's the one okay. people have said the same thing. They just felt all their muscles shake and then leave, you know, get rid of all the, all the stored up, stored up gunk for lack of a better term. And, and it, for me, it really was that, that sharp, but I, I haven't seen, you know, in my own work with other people, I've never seen anyone else have that sharp. Usually it takes, you know, a few, a few sessions to clear out some layers, clear out some other stuff. Maybe I was just ready. Maybe other stuff I had done was set up for it, but for me, it was just one and done. That's really intriguing and obviously it was for you too because you you've pursued um working with uh hypnosis and working with language uh since then can you describe i guess you know from from that moment what uh what did you do moving forward to um turn this into something that you used uh with others it was a messy road filled with many major mistakes. <laughs> uh, looking back, I'm kind of cringing at some of the things that I did. Um, but, you know, remember I had been on medications and drugs for from age 15, 16 to 25, and parts of my brain had been turned off for many, many years, and I had no idea what I was doing. So one of the first things I did was I dived into the, the pickup artist world because once I stopped the drugs, then I was no longer, you know, the many people complain the drugs make their sex drive go to zero. And when I stopped them, suddenly I had a sex drive back and I was 25 and I like had no idea what to do with it because it, it had been like basically numb since I was 16. Right, so I dove headfirst in the pickup artist stuff uh, made some mistakes there, but I learned a lot. And then, uh, working, I continue to work with my mentor. I've been working with them for 20 years now. And we discovered a couple of other interesting things that religious group that I had mentioned at the beginning, they had done huge amounts of programming. And so we spent a great amount of time undoing that work and, uh, reverse engineering it even to the point where we learned a lot of new techniques that way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, kind of eye opening. And so I spent, then I spent a lot of time, you know, on that. Eventually I got my head on straight and realized that what I needed to do was a clear myself out, B clear out friends, family, anyone I could help. And then C move on to, helping the world at large. And it took, it took way longer to do A and B than, than I had thought. But for the last 
three or four years, I've been a paid, you know, people pay me money. It's been a professional thing for me. Wow. Uh, I spent five or six years working on family and friends okay. who were, you know, willing to, willing to work with me. And um, what type of results have, have you had working with, um, with family and with friends? And I, you know, I know you have, you know, you're getting paid for this now, but um, do you have any examples of uh, results that you see from the people that you work with? Yeah. I started off fairly gently in terms of, hey, I know how to neutralize a trauma. So if I can identify somebody's traumatic experience, I can neutralize that so it doesn't cause them problems anymore. And I've gotten, every time, I've gotten better and better at doing that. And at this point, you know, I, I will, I can completely neutralize most traumas in a single session. And I'm not talking about, so there, there's, there's trauma, there's different levels of traumas. There's like, there was that event when I was eight. Then there's like, you know, there were six events between I eight and 20. And then there was daily abuse for years, right? I'm, I'm not clearing out child abuse, a history of child abuse in one session, but I can do three or four different traumas in a single session if they're related. Now, an example of this is I recently, about a year ago, I was working with someone for specifically social anxiety. And we went through and it took about four sessions. He also had some experience with um, meditation. And so that was something I was able to leverage. But at the end of that time, I said, you know, so how are things going? And he said, social anxiety is gone. It just sort of evaporated. And I said, great. So are you happy with that? Are we done? And he said, yeah, I think we're done. Oh, by the way, uh, how do you talk to people? <laughs> and I was like, what? You, what do you mean? And he's like, it turns out he had had social anxiety all of his life. And every social interaction he had ever had, he was so focused on that anxiety that he never really learned how to talk to people. Hmm. And so we had to go back in and I said, well, you have an introduction where you say, hi, this is my name. I mean, I, it was like that level of, of thing that, you know, his brain never, never learned that before. And that's when it hit me that, wow, this is really powerful. This is something this guy's had his whole life. And, and it's, you know, these techniques can, can really move the needle for people. Okay. So, um, you know, in these, these uh, sessions that you're talking about, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, they, they may or may not be familiar with hypnosis, but the, the common, um, you know, in Hollywood, you think about hypnosis and you have the, the dangling clock um, mm -hmm. or like uh, on a, the on a gold the pocket watch. Pocket yeah. watch, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's not um, not the type of hypnosis that is commonly practiced. But can you just describe a little bit about what um, what a session of actual hypnosis is is like, and kind of what what you do in some of your sessions? Yeah. So I started out 
bringing people into formal trance. And the formal trance is when someone gets more and more relaxed and you feel better and you take some deep breaths and you're, oh, and you just sort of relax into a nice, peaceful feeling and they you know, do this. I'm dropping my head. If, this is, if you can't see what I'm doing. I'm dropping my head and closing my eyes and they get into that sort of somnambulistic state. And when they're in that state, but the words you say will be accepted uncritically. In other words, they won't be able to consciously pick it apart. And then I would say, you feel good and you feel relaxed and you, you know, you can talk to people more easily now, you know, suggestions. And then I'd bring them back up and then you'd say, now you're feeling more like you're back into your own body and you're feeling happy and you're feeling relaxed and you take a deep breath and everything's great. And people would be like, yeah, I feel great. And, and the, and those suggestions I gave them in trance would take effect. These days, however, I should also, let me answer your other question too. I don't use a watch. There are, no, there are a number of techniques that will induce trance, okay? And most of them I can do with just the voice. If you, there's a couple of inductions where if you're looking upward, your eyes will get tired and then you will want to close them. And that's what the, 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 the watch is. Okay. Right? Your eyes will get tired. And then when I say, and when you're ready, you can close your eyes and you'll want to close your eyes. And then you close your eyes. And I will say, yes. And you have closed your eyes. And then all those things are pacing, which is um, commenting on the person's experience correctly. Like I'm accurately describing what's happening. And that generates rapport with the subconscious mind. That makes uh, sense. There's a, there's a number of other ways too. most of these I can just do with words. Now, these days, however, I have learned to do a lot of things without necessarily having to put someone in to a formal trance. And there's a number of ways to do this. Most of the time I've had people say, you know, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever been through and I can't believe it worked. (laughs) Right. I, um, I will, uh, sometimes I'll just ask people questions until their beliefs shift. And then they're like, I don't know what just happened, but I feel better about it. Right. So there's, there's ways that you can do it simply with, with, by paying attention to the structure of the mind and changing the structure around without having to put somebody into a formal relaxed trance. Okay. And I do both at this stage. I do both. Well, um, you know, I I just want to throw in my little, very limited personal experience with uh, hypnosis here. I've done, I've got an app that has some downloaded hypnosis uh, scripts, essentially, that trained hypnotists have used, and I've I've used those different times for uh, for self improvement. I know uh, one that I had a lot of success with was. Um, eye contact. And I, I might have, I can't guarantee I'm still uh, as sharp on it as I was when I first did it, but I know one session with that self-hypnosis, it came from, I believe, uh, hypnosisdownloads.com. Um, one mm-hmm. session with this, I went into a relaxed state and you know took the suggestions and I it imprinted it on my subconscious and I, I became better at um, using proper eye contact and conversation with others. 
And that had been something I hadn't even really recognized uh, for years and years and years that I wasn't good at. But, um, you know, I, someone mentioned it to me and I realized, oh, yeah, I, I do kind of um, like move my head a lot and I don't hold eye contact with people I'm speaking to. One session really uh, benefited me. And I know even even other sessions that I've done, at the very least, it was a pleasant experience because it, it's very relaxing. And so um, I guess yeah. just a, a little personal plug for any kind of, uh, for experimenting with hypnosis, at the very least, you get a nice little relaxation session out of it. Yeah, everybody everybody knows it works for stopping smoking and uh What's the other uh, weight loss? A lot of times weight loss. But the thing is, those same mechanisms are active in the mind and you can use them to address almost any problem. I've, I've had some really remarkable downstream effects. In other words, there's been a lot of situations where, uh, for, for example, um, I work with people a lot of times on uh, reducing their use of social media, right? Okay. That's, that's something a lot of people care about. And you know, it's a subconscious habit because you do it when you're not consciously thinking about it. And this is perfect for hypnosis because that's what it is, you know, communicating with the other than conscious mind. And usually what happens is someone will have another real reason that they're doing it. A lot of times it's going to be overwhelmed they get overwhelmed and they want an escape for a little bit. Uh, there's also a true addiction. There's a fear of missing out. There's a, I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of the mob. So I need to check on what they're doing, right? There's all these, all these factors that play in, but overwhelm is, is, is a big one. And I've helped a number of people with that. And I helped somebody with that one time and um, he, he suddenly went, <sighs> and I said, everything all right? And he says, I can breathe better. There had been, you know, apparently he had had a, a sort of breathing issue that I was completely unaware of that yeah. was completely resolved. Incidentally, I mean, obviously they were related, but the idea was I didn't, I wasn't aiming for that. I was helping him with the overwhelm, but it fixed this other issue. Wow. I've, uh, I've another one of my clients who is now actually doing sessions of his own. Just the other day, he told me he helped somebody with um, a problem. I think it was something about getting over some, something from his past. And he said, the guy stood up and cracked his back and he heard it over the, over the microphone. He heard this crack and the guy said, yeah, I've been trying to, you know, I've had this back problem for about five years now and it's gone. Right. So th this is, this is not every day. Right. 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 And, and if you're like, Oh, let's, you have a back problem. Let's work on your overwhelm. Right. It, it's very <laughs> hard to do it that direction. But what you do see is you'll solve a problem and there'll be a downstream effect that clears up. It's, it's remarkable. That's really fascinating. And I think, it, it makes sense to me, at least from from hosting this podcast, from talking to other people when they 
I guess a common theme is it's all connected. So mind, body, everything is connected. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, I find all of this really fascinating. Um, just yeah, you you go in for overwhelm, and it's almost like, um, yeah, almost like your body was storing that overwhelm in in your back pain. That's exactly right. And in fact, you can always tell. That's why I do video sessions instead of just over the phone. Is I can watch them and I can tell. I'll say, well, so tell me what's on your mind. And he goes, ah, okay, I know it's here for that person. And you're pointing you at can't your shoulders see. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or- if it's, if it's all from the, for the audio listeners, um, <laughs> the, the, I could see the person hunch their shoulders and then act as if they were carrying a heavy backpack. And I knew that's where it was. And sure enough, when the problem was resolved, they stood up with, you know, they sat more straight up with their shoulders back because it's all metaphorical like that. And you're exactly right. In fact, to the point where you're so right about everything being connected to the point where there are some people who say the body is in the mind instead of the mind is in the body. The body is actually in the mind. That's how, is how a lot of people will say it. That's really intriguing. Um, and you know, this, I don't know if you're familiar with his work or not, but this reminds me of, um, a book by a guy named, uh, Dr. John Sarno, uh, heal back pain forever. He, he just talks a lot about mind body connection and, um, a lot of times, um, back pain being a manifestation of stress. And I think it, it probably applies to more than just back pain, but, um, yeah, there are just there are layers to this stuff that um, I think we're we're commonly taught to think of as being very structural and um, it's very physical and material. Mechanical, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mechanical. One, one level, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, the, as as you're seeing, there are a lot of cases where maybe it's not so um, so mechanical. And you're having a big impact by, um, by helping people with their mind, with their mindset, with, um, I guess, when you consider it, these are sort of the stories that people are telling themselves about themselves. The question you're asking is getting at basically what is the structure, right? Is that, yeah. is that a fair restatement, a generalization of the question? So yeah, the, the structure of what is in someone's mind and, I need to preface this with saying I am not a licensed medical professional and I am not a licensed therapist. Okay. I must uh, (laughs) want to make that clear here, Uh, but I will, I, I want to um, give kind of an example of this. So if I, if you hear somebody say, well, that person has a bright future. Okay, that is a metaphor. However, it is a literal description, not a metaphorical, but a literal description of what is going on in their mind. In other words, when they picture that person, they literally picture what they see as a future for that person, and it's well lit. Right? Yeah. So by working with people's metaphors, you can work with their reality because it's the reality inside their head. 
it's all metaphorical. Here's another example. Oh, that, that you know, it's just, it's a, it's a pain in the neck or um, man, that's just such a burden. And so they said, that's a burden. I'll say, well, how much does it weigh? And they'll look at me like, I don't know. Well, how much does it weigh? Well, I don't know about 15 pounds. Okay. What color is it? And that's that they go into trance right there. You can't see what I'm doing with my eyes, but they'll do this. They'll go okay. and just sort of freeze Look, as they think about it. Looking and up and to the right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Usually up and to the right. Occasionally up and to the left, but mostly up and to the right. And then they will say, "It is red or dark or black or whatever, some color, right?" Yeah. And, well, what color would feel lighter? And they'll do it again. They'll, they'll check and I'll wait about five to 10 seconds, but for the, they don't notice this, right? For them, it's smooth and instantaneous because that's actual trance time. So anyway, they'll say, instead of red, I want it blue. I said, okay, well, what happens when it's blue now? or whatever color you would choose to make it lighter for you, because it might not be red to blue. It might be black to white. It might be whatever color, what it was for you to whatever color is going to be lighter. And they pick that. And I said, well, well now, you know, what happens now when you make it the new color with the lighter that that's lighter, that's not as heavy. And they say, well, okay. And then they usually shake their shoulders and they say, that feels better. It's, it's, well, how much does it weigh now? Uh, right? And this is, this is an example of literally working with someone's metaphor, but changing their actual reality. And that's really what hypnosis is all about. And that's really fascinating. And, you know, the way the mind works is so, um, it, it's so complex. And um, it, it seems like it's very... Uh, powerful to visualize, uh, you know, as I, as I hear you describe some of these methods, I'm hearing a lot of um, taking things that we might think of as being very abstract and providing powerful imagery to it. Um, you know, both in your own story, uh, that was obviously very uh, powerful imagery with uh, the, the big ugly pig getting slaughtered. Um, you know, and, and taking care of your anxiety on the spot, um, you know, to these, uh, you know, having the burden turn from red to blue or to whatever color and, you know, it just becoming lighter. Um, that's mm -hmm. really fascinating. And um, am, am I understanding this right? That kind of when, when you're in that relaxed uh, hypnotic state and you're maybe more suggestible these um, you know these ideas that get imprinted um, they stick with you a little more and they carry with you through your day to day a little bit more than maybe uh, you know you might get frustrated if you're not in that hypnotic state and you're trying to consciously make yourself think in a different way and think of something differently. So every time somebody is actually stuck, it's because there is a conflict between their conscious mind and their subconscious mind. They're at odds, which is weird 
because your conscious mind and your subconscious or other than conscious mind are on the same team. Right. Right. It's, it, you can't, you can't get rid of one. You can't get rid of the other. They can't <laughs> go different places. Yeah. Right. And when you think about it, you're like, Oh yeah, that's obvious. But <laughs> you know, that's the, in practice, what happens a lot of times is the conscious mind will want one thing and the subconscious mind will want another thing. That's, that's weird. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think any animals have this problem. Right. I, I think they're always, they know exactly what they're doing, right? They, they just don't have that conflict. So one of the things, you know, just pointing that out, hey, your subconscious mind and your conscious mind are on the same team. They can't get away from each other. They might as well learn to, to work together. And honestly, they both want good things for you, don't they? And people go, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's a, it's a mind blowing idea that's so obvious when, once it's consciously pointed out, but until that point it's, it's below the radar. And that's the basis of integration. And that's the basis of, you know, again, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I always like to say all therapy is some form of integration. Okay. Well, um, that, that makes sense to me. And that, um, yeah, that is a really interesting way of uh, thinking about things that your conscious mind and your subconscious mind um, are on the same team. Um, I'm curious with, um, I think some people might have a hesitation um, to hypnosis because they're worried about, um, you know, well, like I think they feel maybe self-conscious about being so suggestible. And also they might worry, well, like, can I trust the person who is, um, you know, guiding me through this hypnotic state? And what if they, are are they going to program something uh, bad into me? Um, Is there, you know, what's your perspective on that? Those are very legitimate concerns. I think a lot of people tell themselves that they aren't suggestible. Uh, that, that stuff doesn't work on me. I'm too smart for this. I'm too you know, aware of it. Uh, the, there's two ways that, that people snap out of that because that, that, that really isn't an illusion in a lot of ways. The first thing is, um, and uh, the, the first thing is that we are bombarded continually with all kinds of programming and it does work. The moment the radio was created, everything went downhill in that regard, right? The people figured out that there are ways to persuade people to buy things. And they've spent trillions of dollars over the years or the equivalent, um, sharpening their tools and, and owning that, honing that craft. And we recognize it to some degree and we instinctively hate it. Like everybody resists commercials. They resist advertisements because our conscious mind doesn't want that junk in our heads. Right. That's good for you. That's not good for me. You know, this is my brain and it's my 
decision what I take in and what I don't, not yours. And they hate that about advertising. And, you know, I don't, some of you may be familiar with Scott Adams. He talks about this a lot and it's, it's, he's spot on with this is that people are very easily programmable. Um, he takes the position that humans don't have free will. I disagree with that um, for reasons I won't get into here, but the idea is we are absolutely programmable. And the thing is, most people who come to me say, you know what? I, I get it. I have, I have this programming in my head that I don't like, and I want somebody to do it on my behalf, not to me. I, I want somebody on my team who can do it. And that's where I come in. You know, people are programmed by TV and social media and they're, but they're also programmed by just normal life events, you know, Everybody's got that one event when they were a kid at age, you know, whatever in school and that horrible event. And I'm going to go into something right here for you all. Okay. So you have that event and, and whatever age you were, you know what age you were because it's stuck in your head and your mind remembers those things. And so it's kind of like, you know, I was working with one client and he had this interesting issue where he kept watching this one YouTube video. He just kept watching it over and over and it made him feel bad. I can't remember what the video was about. It was like something from years ago, but it was just something that it was like, he, it just, it just made him feel bad and he, he wouldn't stop watching it. Huh. And so like, Jason, I need to stop watching this video. It's making me feel bad. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's think about this for a second. I said, you know, tell me what, tell me how you're watching. And he says, well, I have it on this, you know, 4k giant screen. So, okay. How else are you watching? He's like, well, I got surround sound. He just keeps watching this video in surround sound in a giant 4k screen. And I'm like, you know, why, why are you still watching this? What do you need to get out of it? And he says, well, I don't know. And I said, well, watch it one more time and get what you need to get out of that video. Now, and I waited for a moment as he watched the video and he figured out what he needed to learn. And I said, now, dude, turn off the surround sound and put everything through the center channel and turn it down to where you can hear it normally. I said, all right. And I said, shrink the screen down, change the resolution till it's just a little picture in the middle, not taking up that whole giant screen. He said, okay. I said, okay, now watch it. He says, okay, I waited while he watched it. And then it was smaller and it was only that one center channel and it wasn't very loud and it wasn't very bright anymore. I said, okay. He says, all right, I feel different. I said, right, so you feel better or, or, you know, he's like, yeah, I think I feel better. I said, good, turn off the TV, get up and go outside into the real world and use what you have learned. Because now that you've learned what you needed to learn from that video, you don't have to watch that video ever again, do you? I said, no. I said, let's go out in the real world and experience things for yourself. And he did. And he came back to me about a week later and he said, you know what? My things are better. Like I don't, I haven't watched that video since because I got from it what I needed to get and I moved on with my life.
And I said, good. And I gave him a virtual high five, you know, because we knew that we had made some progress and, you know, things were good. That's really terrific. Um, you know, it, it, it's just really um, interesting to me the way the mind works and the way um, you can kind of achieve breakthroughs like that. Um, and, you know, I want to go back to the, the breakthrough that you had. Um, I like to ask a lot of the people who come on this podcast this question. Everyone looks at it differently. But, um, you know, you had anxiety and depression. Do you consider yourself cured of those conditions? Yes, to the to the point where they seem fake to me. Is it like is that that sounds weird to say it, but it just seems like was that ever even real? When wow. when I look back on it, it just doesn't it doesn't seem you know, like I like I was just running the wrong programming. Like it wasn't a thing. Oh, you got a chemical imbalance, you know, oh, the genetics and oh, just learn to live with it. And like, but none of that was true for me. None of it. And just learning to do things a different way and changing things in my own mind. And granted, I had some seriously good help to do that. I don't think very many people could, you know, get out of that on, on their own, like cutting your own hair, you know, but um, I think. I think that that is the level that I sort of feel like I'm cured in the sense that I didn't ever even have it. Not uh, really. Yeah. That's, um, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, I've heard other people express similar sentiments. Um, yeah. It, it just, it seems, I, feel I know that, I hear that. that and I felt, that felt weird for me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, you know, it, it seems like, I don't know, you, you, you're a different person now. It, just hearing you describe it makes me think, um, you know, it seems like you're a different person now than you had been previously. Um, it, I might say more that my, who I am is always been there, but it's, no longer filtered through this false process or false burden. Okay. Right. In other words, like solving that problem didn't change who I was. It revealed who I was. Ah, okay. If, you know, the, the, what's that, what's that line from the Beatles song? There's nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. I think that's what they're referring to, right? You, you clear these things out and you become who you, always were but you're just no longer artificially filtered through artificial problems not i don't want to say artificial problems but what i mean is things that aren't you yeah it it allows you to be a more authentic version of yourself absolutely yeah okay i i love that and um you know i stand on your personal story here uh the question i ask everybody who comes on on the podcast, uh, now that you have improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? Uh, <laughs> the man, that is a big question because, you know, 
the level of anxiety and depression I had were sort of the crippling kind, not the annoying kind, but, you know, the, the ability to have actual long-term relationships and, and, and ongoing interactions human to human. Because remember the story I told about the guy that his social and he didn't know how to talk to people, right? Because it really does stop people from having real interactions. They're not interacting with the person. They're interacting with their anxiety. And the other person is interacting with their anxiety. It's they're, they're not interacting with humans. And with that gone, I can actually interact me with other humans. And that that's a really big deal. I mean, that's, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate how big of a deal that is for someone who hasn't gone through the transition or who someone who's never had that problem just doesn't understand. Um, but that's, that's what I would say is the, is the biggest difference that I can do now that, that I couldn't do back then. That's really awesome. Um, and you know, I want to be respectful of your time here. Um, but can you let, let the listeners know where, uh, they can learn more about you and, you know, if they're interested in uh, working with you, um, I know you've got a uh, website rolling out. Um, you know, could you give them some information on that and where they can uh, where they can find you online? Yeah, the website is jasonandrewshypnosis.com and it's spelled just like it sounds. Uh, um, Twitter is one of those places that a lot of people are better off never joining it because <laughs> the, the insanity on Twitter is so strong. Uh, but I can be found on there at Persuasion Rising, which was um, another effort I was working on. And because of Twitter's 15-character limit, it's the word persuasion and then R-I-S-N-G. And I know that's... Okay. Uh, a little bit awkward, but if you can get past that, there's a lot of. Um, you, you broke up for a few seconds. You said if you can get past that um, and then it, it, then it cut off. Right. If, if you can, if you can get past the awkwardness of Twitter, um, then you can reach out to me that way. And there's a lot of good content uh, that I post on Twitter as well. Okay, that's great. And I will have uh, links to all of this in the show notes. Um, it'll be at, and the show notes can be found at youcuredwhat.com slash podcast slash Jason Andrews. Um, and, you know, we'll have, have the link to your Twitter. We'll have the link to your website. And um, I guess for anyone who wants to learn more, whether it's about um, anxiety, depression, hypnosis, um, I guess, do you have, you have any um, takeaway message that you'd like to uh, give before we close? Yes, I, I've seen hypnosis in general get more and more credibility in the last 10 to 20 years. And I think it's really becoming a more mainstream way of um, addressing issues. So if you're looking for a single book that explains it a lot, uh, explains it probably the best, it's called Monsters and Magical Sticks. 
That's one of the best introductions to hypnosis I've ever seen. What a great title. I know, right? That's, that's, yeah. I mean, he, that book also, as you read it, he's using the techniques and the words. And so it will change some things in your own mind while you read it. It's, it's a really neat experience to read that book. Uh, It it sounds terrific. Um, Well, Jason, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, share your story and I appreciate your efforts to, you know, benefit others with some of the same techniques that have been so beneficial for you. Um, Thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is, you know, it's been a a fascinating discussion and, you know, the, the willingness to explore uh, all the, all the, you know, my story and, and, and all the stuff that that's on my mind. It's, it's been a really great experience for me. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another story of healing.